I guess the elephant in the room that we need to address right off the bat tonight is uh, Mr. Tarantino. You kind of hyped him up a little bit last week, and then he's he's had a hell of a week. Hello, and welcome to Projecting Film, the podcast where movies meet. I'm your host, Michael Deniston, and joining me will be my co-host, Chris Maynard, as usual. In this episode, we take a look at new release Bomb City try to pitch it to you with two other films that you may have seen that shows a complete lack of faith in the marketing department as far as the trailers they cut for these independent films but hey let's throw them a bone here's the trailer for bomb city and afterwards our discussion on the three films Is this the message we want to send our children for generations to come? Destroy everything. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a case about diversity or tolerance. This case is about a game of young men who chose a lifestyle designed to intimidate those around them challenge authority and to provoke a reaction from society itself. My entire life, people try to rattle my cage, to force me to explode from the inside out, testing me, trying to find my breaking point. My mother would say, son, step in from the cold, and my father just the same. He'd say, don't ever lose your self-control, but I opened the window. I let the cold air flow. I lost my self-control. When those punks brought bats and chains out there with them to Western Street that night, a conspiracy was put into play to kill and maim those high school students. We got plutonium warheads under our feet as we speak. This place is just a big target, ticking, ticking away. it's the last episode i can't keep straight as far as like what i've released what we record and then the release order but yeah okay yeah definitely the last one we released west of her death proof and i believe in the last one the one before that i was lamenting how everyone i talked to then goes into the news as some sort of scumbag of sorts (laughs) usually you know sexual harassment this case i don't know if it's better or worse that he almost killed Uma Thurman um <laughs> I can't tell I don't know Twitter will tell me but yes I decide hey this guy that puts a beloved actress uh into a car that crashes I'm going to highlight the film that's about women being terrorized <laughs> by a man with a car 
Hmm. You could not have laid that out better if you tried. I thought about uh, texting you that as soon as that, that news broke last weekend. But I was like, you know what? Uh, it's just going to be part of the podcast conversation. So mm-hmm. as Why I was would we say, have a conversation off mic? Waste of time, really. You know, there's so much money in this podcasting business. <laughs> the independent cinema podcasting business. <laughs> That's just gold we're wasting. But no, uh, as I said uh, on the Kate Can't Swim episode, uh, when I was complimenting the director, uh, I was like, you know, you're on notice now because I've said nice things about you. Uh, Godspeed. I don't know what you've got in your past. Oh, it's all coming to light any day now. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, that kind of concerns me for Bomb City because the, uh, the film I'm going to present, uh, features one of my favorite young actors. So yeah, uh, Michael B. Jordan is, uh, is officially fucked now. <laughs> so, uh, I want to talk quite a bit about Bomb City, but I'll, I'll set it up with, uh, cause I think I know where you're going based on our, our, the text exchange that we do have is not about, you know, life and death matters or political issues, but it's movie years. It's vague <laughs> dates, like <laughs> 1998. <laughs> That's what I get. And Mr. Vanilla. Done. Well, the fucked up part is I, uh, I start to then have a conversation with you that we're not having where I'm like, Oh, I bet it's that. That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I, I do the same thing. Yeah. So, okay. I went, uh, with a 2013 film for bomb city. I went with Fruitvale station. So, okay. We have, yeah. uh, Ryan Coogler, who, uh, is a favorite of mine. Uh, I loved Creed and he's got uh black Panther coming out. So I guess I could do that for bomb city. I could hashtag the hell out of black Panther on this. <laughs> uh, and Michael B. Jordan's also in that. Um, the surprising aspect of, I guess, this choice for me, uh, is I'm going to just prove my ignorance when it comes to bomb city that I start watching it and I didn't realize that it was going to be, I guess, uh, not a reenactment is like treating it as if it's like some shitty, like, uh, unsolved mysteries type thing, but it's going to be a lead up to a tragedy that I vaguely remembered at the end of the nineties. Uh, hearing about, but I just didn't associate it with that. Even with the based on true story, I just kind of went with the film and I thought, okay, this is just about a uh, lifestyle in this small Texas community about punks and jocks. And <laughs> the was, inner cutting with the court case didn't kind of give you an idea that there was this ominous thing on the horizon. I, there was a bit of a misdirect there. I thought it was going to be a tragedy in a different way. Like I, I thought we were building up to, and I guess this is kind of minor spoilers. If you're like me and you don't really know what this is about, uh, I thought this was going to be, I thought the court case was cutting to an, an indictment of these punks and what they did in response to the abuse that they get at the hands of, I guess the, the jocks, the, the, the normal, you know, people here who don't understand them. I thought they were going to be pushed to their limits and I guess in a way they are. Um, so I thought it was going to be something where we we're going to come to understand, um, the accuser more, uh, until, you know, it's revealed that it's one of those lovely white hats that's running around. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that I want to sort of preface my pick in that way, not saying that this film is going to be, it, I don't think it suffers from a lack of that punk lifestyle because for a lot of times it does have a uh, more hardcore sort of Linklater feel mm-hmm. where I'm, you know, I'm just kind of enjoying the shenanigans, just the lifestyle, uh, just the day to day about, you know, throwing shows, 
uh, sort of petty crime uh, and just hanging out uh, with these yeah. guys. And I kind of do forget. And yeah, to your point about the courtroom intrusions, as I was watching the film, I kind of wish that would like, I was like, oh, I don't want this. I want this to go away. I just want to hang out with these guys more. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't until uh, the very end of the film where I'm like, then I became incredibly invested in that court case so much so that I'm now like, as the film was like wrapping up, I'm getting on my phone like, what the fuck happened to this guy? This is a travesty. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, you know, for the last half hour, I'm like, all right, we don't really need this. Like, let the punks be punks. And then, you know, <laughs> then it turns on me. So, uh, yeah, that's, I, I just want to uh, say that I do think that it sort of compares favorably to something like Fruitvale Station as far as, uh, with both films, I, I feel incredible sadness and anger. Uh, after having watched them, but no offense to Fruitvale Station, I had a little bit more fun uh, during Bomb City up until we got to the ending. And I, I think that's by design, but was the Linkletter connection, was that before you saw the daughter or is that something that you were kind of feeling ahead of time? No, I, I was feeling it uh, I was feeling it throughout because I, you open with uh, Marilyn Manson on the TV. It's actually a really cool opening. Uh, this guy sort well, of coming back into town and not showing his face though. Yeah. I love that. The, the sort of the way the camera sort of, uh, glides into this like sort of kitchen and like this empty home. And so it's just mm -hmm. his voice. And I think you're going to, I mean, even I, you know, I <laughs> stupidly seeing true story and been like, I don't know what this is. I guess just punks hang out and, you know, <laughs> spray paint. <laughs> I recognize Manson's voice and I'm like, well, yeah, around that time period they were all going to him. And asking, like, you know, what's your input on the kids and the rock music they're listening to? Uh, but I do – I think the way they bookend it is really awesome. Um, you know, I, I was a bit dismissive of it first, uh, but I, I think, like, it's one of the best-looking films. I, we're actually on a pretty good streak because uh, we're coming off of West of Her. And then I watch Bomb City, and I'm like, man, this is fantastic-looking. Like, this is just the, the – the way he composes the shots here. And I don't know. I was just, I've never been someone that's into like punk music or that scene. Um, but I, I felt very, uh, I guess invested or involved with the world, uh, just from like the opening jump, like the first few minutes. I like, I got it. I got what we were going to be surrounded by. Well, I think that the reason you can just kind of invest in this world is it doesn't take a lot of time to, explain to the audience what this punk world is, what it means. And, you know, the logos that they have on their jackets and, you know, the closest they do is they kind of explain that this one skinhead isn't necessarily a neo-Nazi skinhead. Um, that, you know, that that's about as deep as it gets in explaining the punk scene. It's just a bald um, man. <laughs> he's just a bald guy. Yeah. yeah. Just, just a guy that likes to go and beat up Nazis on the weekend. Basically. I mean, that, that is going to be a problem if you're a, if you're a bald man in this scene, uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> you can say, hey, this is not by choice. And you're like really going to have to go out of your way to beat up Nazis <laughs> to like prove that it's like, no, just bad genes. That's all I'm suffering from, <laughs> not bigotry. <laughs> and it's uh, it, the the movie itself, though, is such a strong character piece. The visual sense of it is really strong as well, which is something that you find a lot, it seems, in uh, directors that have a background in making skateboard and BMX videos, which Jameson Brooks does. That's kind of how he got his start was making BMX videos and other directors that have come up through that. They can really handle a camera really well. And I think that sort of gorilla style filmmaking that they come up in allows them to sort of pull off really interesting shots in small locations. And there's a lot of that here. The camera is very fluid, but it's never 
distracting from the performances here and the mostly unknown cast. But then when you look at their credits, they're all a mile long. I didn't really recognize anybody here, but the performances are really spot on throughout. I don't think there's a weak link in the bunch. I mean, I think the probably the white hats, uh, unfortunately, are going to get that by design, to, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to take up for these these dudes, but yeah, they uh, it's it's like some throwback to like a western movie, and it, like as I'm watching the film, I was just like, why the fuck are they wearing those hats? I was like, they look like goobers, <laughs> they look like dorks, and I'm like, is this like I guess in you know the late '90s and this and Amarillo, Texas is like, is this like their version of Heathers? Like, what are they wearing like the, the ribbons? Are they going to break out croquet here? What's with these damn white <laughs> baseball caps? And, um, that's, that's about it as far as performance level. But yeah, I don't know how human you will make them. And there are some attempts at that. I mean, there's some sort of when the violence escalates, there are some that do some horrific things, but you also see like after that adrenaline goes, that it's like they realize that you know they've been a part of something that's going to taint taint them forever, um, and as it should. But uh, to your point about sort of introducing us to these characters and the way the the, the design of it with the way the camera moves, uh, I always feel like it's got a great sort of POV sensibility where I feel like I'm just sort of following along, like you're just following this guy into the show and meeting all these, these people. And you just, it really does have that sort of like fly on the wall aspect, which maybe that's because of what you're saying with the skateboard videos. They're just like hanging out and following people, like following people and their passions and uh, just incredibly well executed. Like it's, it's something that, uh, you know, let's go to our, our rating system here. Uh, <laughs> this is one I, I wish I, you know, had uh, seen on the, the big screen. It was playing at the Nashville film festival and I, I missed it. I got access to the screener, but uh uh yeah, I, I wish I had caught it on a on a much bigger screen that uh but it did go to the T V for me. So there it is. It it is getting a uh release theatrically this weekend. So I think that uh on the ninth tomorrow it'll I know it's playing in Phoenix and I'm kinda thinking about going up there this weekend just to check it out on the big screen, just to, at the very least to support it. I don't know about uh Kentucky, but uh I'm gonna doubt it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, punk is truly dead here in uh, here in Kentucky, I guess. But uh, all right. So on that note, because um, I'm sort of making fun of my state, but I, I think I know where you're going to go. I think it's a film that does make fun of its location and the fact that it's starring some punks in a a scene that probably people wouldn't identify them with. Well, the I was kind of torn between two movies that I was wanting to pair this up with, and the one that I initially thought of right away as soon as I saw this was The Outsiders. Okay. And kind of the the socias and the greasers and that kind of thing. Um, but that movie went a long way and that book went a long way to humanize both sides of it um, where you can kind of see, even though it's clearly from the point of view of the greasers, the socias, they're not necessarily bad people. They're not evil. They're just kind of caught in this cycle of violence between each other. And so I felt like that was just a little bit too kind on that side. And while it doesn't focus on it. I think that some of the characters in bomb city do have a little bit more humanity to it. And the way that it is kind of like you were saying in the first hour of the film, you're just, okay, move this court case aside. It's getting in the way of just hanging out with these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I was thinking of with this, that it was just SLC punk where it's kind of exploring this, you know, punk scene at this time. Um, I think in SLC punk, that's in the mid eighties and this is in the mid nineties. Um, 
so but it's it, there's a lot of similar characteristics between the two where it's about the friendships between these characters and finding their own families outside of the ones they have at home and even in brian our leads character um i think that really kind of pairs up well with slc punk because they both have actually despite their fathers not necessarily approving of their lifestyle choices they have strong family bonds and so that was something that i liked about both of those films um that there's this assumption that if you do find this family outside of your own that you have to come from some troubled past and that wasn't the case with either of these films, which are both actually based on true stories as well. There's all these possibilities for you, Stephen. Carry the torch now, okay? I can see by looking at you that you're ready. Proud of the fact that you're a, an individual? Very proud. So proud. One thing. The, this may not be easy to hear, but the hair. Maybe tone it down a bit. The whole thing that you're doing. In my day, it was, you know, hair, long hair, beatniks, paisley. You know, that stuff. And... Uh, not liked that kind of thing this whole thing you're doing this uh, statement about the american indian you're doing i'm baffled and and not just me i mean i'm saying regular guy in the street is going to be baffled too and we're hip we're cool it's just those guys on the east coast are never going to get it you know what the they're, they're not going to get this in new york you know what i'm saying oh jesus <laughs> darling we sound like our parents yeah <laughs> it's difficult dear yeah uh, both those uh, slc and uh, bomb city have uh, really funny, uh, endearing uh, father-son <laughs> moments. Uh, yeah. From SLC Punk, I remember uh, Matthew Lillard having a big argument with his dad over the the car he drives, the German the car. Volkswagen yeah. thing, uh, which you know he's just sort of a you know a really obnoxious smartass. Like you know, <laughs> at different points in that scene, you're like, hey, good point, and you're like, all right, shut up, like leave your dad alone. But um, I always like the way it's played uh, in that scene where the father's sort of sort of amused and proud that his son can <laughs> stretch he's a, out. He's a lawyer. Yeah, he stretches out that degree of bullshit and just <laughs> layers it on so thick that it's like, yeah, he's making his old man proud. And um, and this one, I think, it's very brief. But there's like sort of a, a playful like uh, physicality, like the the way they yeah. sort of uh, the dad sort of like you know throws like a like punch at his shoulder, and it's like you just look at him, and you're like okay, clearly he would like doesn't understand uh, <laughs> like the music or fashion sense of his son, <laughs> but it's like that's still his kid, you know he's you know he just wants to make sure he's okay, and uh, I really liked how that one, unlike say uh, Fruitvale Station, which I did pick. Um, this film differs in that I don't feel, even though they keep coming back to a court case, I told you there was a misdirect where I didn't know exactly, you know, I, and maybe it's my hope that it was one of the white hats that just got, <laughs> maybe the punks went too far and, you know, one of those future uh, stockbrokers just got killed. <laughs> it's just, this, you know, <laughs> and the world just didn't know how to keep spinning without, without that. But um, I, I feel like Fruitvale Station is, is pretty clear, like, and maybe because it came out like much sooner after the events of that, that film. Yeah. But it's like, it, it is very much like foreboding, even without cutting to any sort of court case or like jumping ahead time. You're like, okay, I'm watching the last day of this young man's life. And this one here, I, I didn't really get that. And I think if they had maybe overplayed like those family moments, you would have been like, oh, oh, this kid, something's going to happen to this guy. And I didn't feel that. I instead I was sort of, I was just I was in the moment with them where I was like, that's cool. That's a cool father son relationship. I like that. So I, I think it was um, it was handled with a certain degree of grace. And that's the problem with trying to do like these true stories, these, especially these tragedies where you want to you want to show the victim here and show what their life was about and not just completely make them 
like their whole life was leading to their death. Like that, that's all they were was a victim. And I, I really like that. That normally, like if I had probably known this, like, or if I'd been more well-informed or researched it, I think it <laughs> may have stopped me from wanting to check it out. I think, and that's my own personal bias against these type of movies. And I would have been totally wrong here because I, I really did like Palm City. It's a great film. And one of the things that I think that really lines up well with Fruitvale Station is the sort of the time clock aspect of it where you for me, I guess you are not knowing where it was going specifically, but you do have that sense of time that there's something on the horizon that it's Mm -hmm. building towards in both of these. And in Fruitvale Station, it's just you know that the whole time and you're like and you just when you see him just kind of going through the motions of his life, it's just every moment carries so much weight to it. And I don't think it's quite as heavy or foreboding here. And that almost makes it more of a gut punch in the end when it happens. And even knowing where the story was going, it still hit me and I've seen it twice now. And both times it really got me. SLC punk has one too, though. Uh, and I, that, that one's a fabrication though. Oddly enough, heroin Bob lived. Well, in real life. I, I mean, good, but it's a great scene. I don't think Matthew Lillard's ever been better than that moment. As far as a dramatic moment. Uh, I don't know. Descendants, when, something in yeah, there. When, when George Clooney and Shailene Woodley show up on his doorstep, uh, his face, man, I, I don't know. That may be my favorite. Lillard it's not moment. as big, but, <laughs> but the, the panic, <laughs> and just, you know, it's it's hard to be too righteous there when you're going up against, uh, you know, <laughs> good night and good luck comes to your doorstep and says, you, you screwed my wife. <laughs> you kind of just have to give in to Clooney, but <laughs> poor Lillard. Uh, but yeah, I love that scene. Um, I, I try to remember like my first, I think I just rented this. Uh, yeah, I actually do remember this. Um, I remember I wanted to go out uh, to uh, the movies that night and uh, my mom was like, no, no, I need you. You know, you need to be home. And it freaked me out. Cause I'm like, cause I, you know, I, I wasn't like a, uh, into drinking or drugs as a teenager. It was into movies. So I'm like, Oh, she doesn't want me to go to the movies. Like, you know, <laughs> my parents getting divorced. Uh, <laughs> is someone sick. Why is she telling me? And, uh, she's like, no, no, I just really need you to be home tonight. So, uh, I was like, okay, well I'll just rent a movie or whatever. I, you know, she's being kind of vague. And, uh, I had to go to the other video store across town in my very small town, like Randall. Like I had to go to the one that actually had <laughs> SLC Punk because we didn't this get wasn't, it. What was it? Big Star Video, Big K Video, whatever it was. The thing was Big I, Choice Video. I worked at the uh, the bigger one, the one that okay. you know, by any right should have had more. Like we had more square footage, and you know we were the nicer one. But SLC Punk, our owner, said no, not even a single copy. So I went to get well, the single copy of that one. Uh, was- was the bigger store the one that would carry like 50 copies of Adam's Family Values? Is that why you had well, more square footage we, that it was dedicated to shit? Um, I'll tell you, my uh, video store did uh, ape, and it didn't start with this, the blue and yellow of Blockbuster as their <laughs> colors. But it was not an actual like, you know, I think he owned like three or four stores in like like the surrounding counties. So mm-hmm. it was like each county he had one, but it was by no means like a franchise. Um and uh, no, I don't think I think the most copies of anything we're really off the rails here. But I like talking about video stores. Uh, <laughs> <That's cool>. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just playing into it. You're just feeding me questions. You know, it's like <laughs> Fruitvale Station. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Anyway, here are the days, the late '90s, the video. I just want to hear like this McDowell's like version of Blockbuster <laughs> that you were working at. 
the most copies we got anything was Blair Witch Project. I remember that uh, because it was <laughs> so bizarre. well, it was just so cheap. It was like a very mm, cheap tape, okay. and because uh, it was sell through. And also, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to be that big of a surprise, but uh, horror movies had the best turnover at the video sure. store. So they invested a lot, but no SLC punk. So I drive, <laughs> uh, I think I had to drive through one stoplight, my town, which at that time was the only stoplight, uh, to get across the street to the other video store. <laughs> got SLC punk, come home, watch it. And I'm watching it like, Probably not in the right mindset because I'm like worried about what my family's like because they weren't home. So I get home for them and I'm like, what the fuck? And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm trying to distract myself from what I think is going to be like some big event in my life. Uh, and then they get home and I don't think, I don't know. Mom was just like, no, no, just, you know, I haven't seen you much. You've just been out too much. So I just wanted to see your face. And I was like, what the Jesus. hell, mom? Like, what? <laughs> you know, I live in a small town in Kentucky. Like, what do you mean? I live here. You haven't seen my face. So I, I had to rewatch SLC Punk because I felt like, okay, <laughs> I was like, you know, my leg was shaking. I think my life's about to change. And I'm watching this stupid comedy with Matthew Willard. And uh, then I got to that scene uh, at the end. So it's like I rewatched the fun bits twice, <laughs> and then I felt like I felt like the movie had tricked me with Bob's death because <laughs> I was like, "Well, hell, I could have just watched it. I could just could watched it all the way through once." But uh, yeah, so I lived the lifestyle twice with Lillard in that film. So maybe the Bob death hit me a little bit harder because I, I felt like that was a cheap shot and a sucker punch the first time I watched it, or I guess the second time actually. First time I, Bob's death. I, I think it works. I, I don't. I don't feel like it's a cheap shot, and I think it actually just. Even with it being the, a fabrication, even with it being a fabrication, I think that it, um, the, I mean, obviously the irony of a character named heroin, Bob dying of a drug overdose and he never touched drugs. The, um, the idea that there was something that needed to propel a change, that it wasn't just this slow burn of getting bored and getting you know tired of it and eventually saying, okay, I'll go to law school. Fuck it. I don't have anything else to do. So you know, that, that aspect of it doesn't really sell very well. So if you have something where there's this moment at a funeral where he can actually sit outside and say, I need to change my life, you can have that catharsis and it feels real. So yeah, the, the actual heroin Bob just doesn't really mind it either. So if he signs off on it, I'm okay with it too. That's a, that's a pretty big difference between Fruitvale station or bomb city. As far as that, those are the <laughs> things where things probably should have changed. Yeah. But the tragedy is nothing really has. You know, and I mean, even more so if you if you read like I was doing furiously and then making myself <laughs> actually furious reading about the events of this film, uh, what happened to the uh, the man who took another young man's life. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's doing fine. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like we have to have a joke here. It's almost getting to the end of this episode. And I'm like, uh, this is what projecting film does. Just uh, puts things out there to remind you that the world sucks. <laughs> and, you know, the only happy film in this bunch is the one that went out their way to kill someone's best friend named Bob. That's the one that's got the, you know, that's the happy one. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, at least in real life, Bob lives. So that it, it's, yeah, as far as finding that moment for the punchline at the end of this one, I don't know that any of these films are, with the exception of SLC Punk, my perhaps poor choice here, um, is misleading because these, you know, Fruitvale Station and Bomb City are, they're, you know, 
in they're entertaining films for their different reasons, but at the end of the day, they do inspire conversation. They can inspire, hopefully people to take a little bit more notice of the world around them. And right now, shit, this movie is as salient as it was 20 years ago when these events actually happened. So yeah, it's uh, an important movie. So people should definitely check it out. I feel like uh, with Fruitvale station, I watched it once in theaters and I thought, okay, that was great. But I don't know if I've ever sacked up to like even get close to wanting to watch it again. Like no, Bomb City. I think I would though. Um, and I don't. I don't think I would be an asshole and watch it. Like <laughs> I know I've heard from a lot of people like Boogie Nights. They're like, oh, the first half of it's so good and so fun and dancing and stuff. That's you know I don't need to watch anymore after that. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, you're missing the point. Like. Like when well, you, I, I can understand that. You I know, don't. You, you're putting on. I, I I love the whole thing, but I can understand just putting on side one of the record because that's the part that has all the catchy hits, and then you turn it over and it's suddenly this depressing Cure record. And no, <laughs> you want to leave that part out, man. That's totally fine. I think it's just so people can uh, feel better about what they jerk off to without having to feel like guilt or shame <laughs> <laughs> about uh, again. The we're porn going life. back to. I don't. I don't think that's anybody's using anything quite as tame as Boogie Nights these days. I hope they are. Yeah. <laughs> a simpler time. <laughs> yeah, a time when I was driving through the one stoplight in my town to like, I'm gonna watch me some SLC punk tonight. <laughs> Treat oh, I myself. <laughs> I, I thought the simpler time was when you were jacking to Boogie Nights. I, uh, sir, how dare you? I, ne- I would never. I would never do something to PTA film like that if anything i would go to hard eight for that (laughs) 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 sexy prowler philip seymour hoffman walking up to me in a diner that's (laughs) you know if they uh if they made a film of my life it wouldn't be hard eight i guess it would be like soggy five at projecting film on twitter instagram facebook (laughs) (laughs) subscribe on apple Podcasts. See, I knew I'd get us there. I just—I I brought up boogie nights. I was basically being your fluffer there. I was like, all right. Well, I was looking. It's playing hopscotch, looking for the moment, the way in. And as soon as I heard heart eight, that, that's oh, easy dick joke. Okay, out. Pull the parachute. Let's go. Oh, this has been our very respectful and enthusiastic review of Bomb City, <laughs> ending with a dick joke.